Welcome to Robot Friends, the podcast that actively harms its audience. Episode 37, Eigenrobot vs. Money. Alright, and we're live. Hi everybody, I'm here tonight with Polymath, who is a well-known Twitter poster, and QC, who... <laughs> just some guy <laughs> no do you guys do you guys want to introduce yourselves more properly i i think people know who you are but hey, you go first qc uh me go first i mean so i was on this podcast before yelling about the new york times and rationalists uh, yeah so how do i introduce myself i don't know i'm an ex math grad student ex rationalist twitter personality who blew up on the Twitter this week, and it's been a whole thing, and we can talk about that thing. Uh, I am now the 100K acid baby, I suppose, is my new title. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really just it's fine. fantastic. It's a fine title. I accept that title. That's where we're. That's that's me so far. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm I'm Polymath. I have a, a medium large Twitter account, and uh, I I'm not a meme though. <laughs> Which I, <laughs> yes, which, I mean. right, not yet. Hopefully, never. Growth this. mindset. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the last, this last year, I've been talking about COVID, and, but most of my stuff is data. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm. I'm, I'm, I wanted to talk with QC because I've, I've been following you for a long time. Nice. And just kind of like lurking off to the side. And I, I, I enjoy, I mean, I think all three of us are in or follow along parts of Twitter that are fascinating, but not like really engaging for a lot of, a lot of the normies. Mm. Um, Working and, as intended. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. Right. It's not for them. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so to like, I, I started seeing QC like pop up in my, in my normie feed. I'm like, what is going on? Oh no. <laughs> normie feed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, it's always nerve wracking. I mean, I, <laughs> I've gotten to be more worried about it. Actually, okay, so so is your normie feed as you see it polymath? Y yeah, polymath is definitely the normie feed. Uh that's it's lots of politics, um lots of lots of middle-aged moms and dads and older policy people and that sort of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so do you think we need to rehash what actually went down? Yes, we absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta no, I, set the context, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna actually put this on my Substack on a subscribers only thing, just because I like this is a. I'm hoping we're gonna have one of those really interesting conversations that I don't think everybody's gonna get, but is really interesting to have anyway. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah. Okay. So starting off. Um, it all started a few days ago, QC, when you took a medium amount of acid. <laughs> exactly. That's that's how it all started. Yeah, that's right. Um, so okay, so and I'm just gonna rehash my thread or rehash your thread, mm -hmm. telling your own thread back at you, which is probably excruciating. But no, no, no. I'm I I would love to see you know how it gets filtered through your understanding. You know, like that's 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 interesting. I want to know how how you how you saw it. Yeah. So I mean. I read through it before it blew up and it's like, Oh yeah, this is a good thread. He's, he's being really thoughtful about all of this stuff. That's an interesting experience that I haven't had. <laughs> and, and, and the experience specifically was, you know, you've, you've had a complicated relationship with your parents who 
let me see if I get this right. Are you second gen? It, it seems like you grew up in the U.S. at least. Second gen ish. So I uh, I was born in China, but we moved to the states when I was six. So like one point five gen, maybe. Yeah. Like, I sort of yeah. I like went to kindergarten in the U.S. But I like okay. Or sorry, I went to kindergarten in Singapore, but I went to first grade in the U.S. So that that was when I moved here. So yeah, it's a weird time to move. <laughs> it's a weird time. Yeah. Um, but then, okay. But then your parents were, were definitely just like first gen, like unambiguously first gen Chinese immigrants. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're programmers. That's right. Did I, get, did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the thread basically said, okay, well, at one point, um, your mom offered you a hundred thousand dollars. No, she didn't when offer you... it to me. She just gave it to me. Outright. Oh, like, she just she gave just it to you. Transferred it to my bank account without telling me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, that's an that's an that's already an interesting I, point. That's not a thing that I emphasized that she didn't ask first or discuss it with me in any way. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That that changes things a little bit for me. But yeah. Yeah. Um. And I mean, in your thread, I mean, what what I remember is that. Like you had some feelings of resentment about that yeah, and about the role of money in your relationship with your parents. Yep. And honestly, I, I glossed over that a little bit for reasons that aren't totally clear to me. I, I guess partly it wasn't something that I related to because sure. my relationship with my parents and money has always been pretty straightforward. Um, that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, they've they've never really given me money. Uh, I mean, you know, they sent me like, you know, a birthday check for not like a ton of cash but and it's interesting that i don't even feel great talking about how much it is right <laughs> right um, gonna keep it ambiguous yeah for sure and and i have an outstanding loan from my parents for seven thousand dollars on which i pay interest <laughs> i i mean I, me. yeah no i it's mean like, like i could i could pay it back but um it it doesn't. I'm I'm saving up for a down payment. So just once a year, I cut them a check for the interest on on the seven thousand dollar loan, and and um, so so and then I that actually I think is sort of a simplifying thing for me because it's like it's not like the it's not like seven thousand dollars is is something that's life changing, right? But it is something that was helpful to me at the time, um, back when I was in school, and they're like, okay, well, you know, I. I was I was working a bunch of part time jobs. My my parents were just like, "Hey, if you want a loan, like, we'll give you a reasonable interest rate." And and yeah, it's a few thousand bucks. I was like, "Yeah, okay, okay, I'll do that." But it didn't feel like I was losing much in the way of independence in that sense. Uh-huh. And it didn't feel like the relationship was somehow predicated on me doing this. And I think, I mean, the amount was small enough. Not that seven thousand dollars is not like a lot of money, but again, you know, it's not something that's life changing. Um, you know, it let me pay rent for a while when I was living in a closet in Capitol Hill in Seattle, and um, so I, I don't know. It, it made it feel a little bit more like just something that that wasn't a big deal, and 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 you know, they offered, but it wasn't like a strong offer. They weren't you know, trying to do the, the mother bird thing of like throwing into their kids' mouths or, or whatever right. it is. Um, I don't know if that's a good analogy for how you felt about this, well, but 
It's a funny way to put it. I mean, so 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 one of the things that is funny to me about this story is I cannot imagine Asian parents giving their kids a loan. It just would feel so weird. I think they would yes. either rather just give cash gifts straight out or not, you know. And that somehow the yeah. idea of a of giving your kids a I haven't heard of any Asian parents doing that. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not super like in touch with a ton of other Asian Americans, so I don't exactly know, but like, yeah, it would be a very funny image. Like that's alone. That's so like, it's just, there's a whole yeah. cultural yeah, well, thing. Transactional my, maybe. My dad is Anglo Jewish. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe alone makes more sense in that context. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's interesting. Cause my, uh, the, the, I had this big realization um, after reading your thread of my dad and I have always had this, uh, ha- always had this um, sort of struggle, but like um, uh, college money, uh, because I I went to college and I got a bunch of scholarships and I worked, um, yeah, you know, I worked a part time job and I threw all of my money towards my college tuition, uh, and then my dad picked up whatever was left, which was like out of a, I think it was a $20,000 a year tuition. I think he paid two or three grand a year out of it. Um, and so I look at that and I'm like, I paid my way through college. And my dad was always like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I paid for it. And, and I think it was like, it's particularly infuriating because I mean, for me, because I, I look at that and I'm like, no, I earned those scholarships. But to my dad, scholarships are free money. <laughs> right, you don't. It's not money you mm. earn. It's mm. money someone gave you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. See, and, this is, mm, yeah. And and so, we, like with that idea, it's sort of like it's the difference between like a self-made man and someone whose parents, you know, whose parents made him, or you know, and and there's a there's like a an ongoing like there's a kickback expectation that not even necessarily of money but of like you you owe me who you are mm. um because this was because of the, because of this financial transaction that that went went about oh yeah huh yeah this is like it, that is that's like a really good example of like I, I didn't get into this in very much detail in the thread but just this kind of general theme of like the stories people tell about money and like what happens to money and like what the meaning of various transactions is like that, that, the, that scholarship example is a good example. It's like, was this money that I earned by working through, you know, work in the sense of like having applied for the scholarships and in the sense of like being the sort of person who qualifies for these scholarships, or was it money that was freely, that was like, was this like a gift, you know? Right. It's like, it's just lying on the side of the street and you just picked it up. Right. So you didn't really earn it. I mean, I have my own experience. Like I, I got a, for grad school, I got an NSF fellowship. They gave me like a grand total of a hundred thousand dollars. Like, did I earn that money? It's very unclear, partly because it was very unclear what my responsibilities were. It's not unclear. You know how hard it is to get those fucking things? Like, yeah, to be, to be clear to listeners, like QC's hot shit. (laughs) I mean, I felt really good about getting it at the time, but like, Okay, so here's what you actually have to do after you get one of those NSF fellowship, grad fellowships is you, every year you have to write one paragraph describing what you've been up to that year. And every year I wrote that paragraph and I was like, I have no idea if they're going to like rescind the fellowship because I haven't done it. <laughs> every year I just wrote that paragraph and sent it in and it kept being fine. And eventually I was like, I don't think anybody reads these. <laughs> like, 
if, just, if they wanted results, they would demand results. Yeah, it seemed like they didn't want results, which was very confusing because in the in the application for the fellowship, I had to like write a whole thing about like, oh, tell us about some stuff that you might do in grad school. And I wrote this whole thing about how I was really interested in topological quantum computing. That was like it's like a super fancy thing at the time that was like hot shit. Like Microsoft had a group working on it. And I was like, I'm yeah, I'm interested in some of the math behind that. Like that's a thing that I could work on. I never worked on it. <laughs> I never once yeah. <laughs> I did some stuff yeah. that was kind of adjacent, but I never once worked on it. And they didn't check, you know, no one at the NSF checked whether I was doing that. And so I left Yeah. Me. That whole experience left me very confused. I was like, I can't really I don't really feel like I earned that a hundred thousand dollars. I feel like I a little bit like tricked them into giving me that money <laughs> you know and that, i feel this way is... about many of my many of the ways i've gotten money in my life this is another thing i brought up in the thread like, this is like yeah. a recurring theme for me. right i mean I, I definitely wouldn't feel bad about the nsf thing yeah it's right. it's more like the government is paying a school to take you on as a grad student and if it wasn't going to be you it was going to be somebody else and i mean it's like super high variance like they pick out people who seem really promising and capable of doing good research but i mean like sometimes they're wrong <laughs> sometimes they're totally wrong right i mean like I, I you know i mean i went to grad school and i was like i was a really solid undergrad but you know after i finished my um my orals it was like all right well it turns out i actually hate research yeah. So I'm going to like right. teach myself how to code for a couple of years and then go get a job in the private sector and bail out. Nice. And I, I, I would feel zero bad about that. Nice. I appreciate So it, like, I guess what, what I'm getting from what you just said is like, I can sort of think of it as a bet. Like the NSF made a bet on me. They were like, we're going to bet a hundred thousand dollars that this guy ends up being cool. Yeah. And <laughs> this, this is completely cool. on the NSF. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. That that actually that actually helps a little. I think that <laughs> yeah might, might bring some peace to my trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, so I, I interrupted you. You were talking about like the thread and then like how you felt about. Yeah, well, I mean, my feelings. Yeah, no, I mean, like honestly, my feeling reading the thread is like, man, it seems like QC's really figured a lot of stuff out with his parents. Like that, I'm I'm really glad to see that. <laughs> oh, I, I I hope he manages to you know come out of this with a clearer understanding of himself and and like feel feel more good about how his parents love him and and that's all really great and that was honestly the extent that i took out of it, right, right. anything out of it yeah that's fair that was like yeah. a big, that, that that's about that's about right yeah <laughs> and then the internet did something else with it and then the internet did something else with it yeah, yeah. so i mean like i think I, I don't know my impression is that people got really hung up on just the idea that a parent might give a kid a hundred thousand dollars, and that I might resent it. That was those. Was and that you might resent right. it. And that's that, right. And that's that right. I took acid. Those are the three ingredients. That was the triple slam. <laughs> Wait, were people mad about the acid? I don't that think people even... were mad about the acid. I think it just made the whole thing extra comical. Like it put me in a. <laughs> that was funny. I think, it, I think was... it, put, it put me. I, I could be wrong. My, I, like I said, I haven't read most of the responses, so I don't really know how people are painting me. But if I had to guess. Uh, it put me in a reference class of kind of like clueless Silicon Valley tech elites because those are the kinds of motherfuckers who talk about yeah. psychedelics and stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's not that's not too far off. <laughs> so I, I think I think I think specifying a medium amount of acid yeah. was it was, was what turned it into a, a Silent, pasta. silently <laughs> silently very comedic. I didn't really expect. I don't. I didn't exactly write that as a joke, but I. I don't know. 
I didn't write it not as a joke. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So like what, I, I mean, I, I hope this isn't private information and if it is, I can like remove this section. Yeah, we're but, way past that. Now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Legit. Um, I mean, so, so I heard from Celine that, that like you had been thinking about talking about this in, in a chat room somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before you posted it. So like this wasn't completely unpremeditated. Yeah. And I, I'm, it starts with a few, like I originally considered live tweeting this, you know, while I was while on acid during the trip and I thought of thought better of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do that. The only thing I tweeted was the, that one tweet Polly that you commented on that was like, you literally can't make sense of people's life decisions without knowing how much money they have and how much money their parents have. This was like, while I was right. going through all this stuff I, that like that one little thought came out and I was like, okay, that's, that's like, I can separate that out for Twitter, but everything else I'm going to sit on until I decide it's a good idea sober. To say right. Yeah. That's a yeah. good choice. I've, I've never regretted anything that I've tweeted on hallucinogens, but <laughs> I feel like I stay pretty grounded even when I'm going through ego death. So there we go. Yeah. Cause um, you're already enlightened. <laughs> so. it, it, it was, it was that original tweet about like understanding people and, and their family family decisions decision making was that really caught me because i'm in the i i have such a bare space uh that i'm i'm talking from because um which i guess nobody can see but screw them uh because i'm moving in a in a week and i'm moving to be near my mom near my family uh and that is almost all money-based stuff and not even mine it's it's my mom right like like my whole life is rearranging because of my mom's financial position and my financial position and the, like the interplay between those things. Um, and you know, and uh, like, I'm, I'm looking at houses because I have responsibilities to my mom and she wants to do stuff for me and I've got siblings and like, and like all that family stuff is so mixed up, um, that like if my, my dad died when he was 61, if he was still alive, I wouldn't be making these decisions because he was, he was the breadwinner. He was bringing money in. They had no, there was no, I had no interest in their money and they had no interest in telling me about their money. Right. Which is another thing of this is like when my, when my dad passed, it went from like, I had a vague idea of what my parents were doing with their money to now I like help my mom with her, my mom and I have meetings about finance um and i know exactly where all of her money is and i know exactly what it's doing and she she runs stuff by me because um uh because you know as she as she gets older she's worried that i mean my my wife has her grandmother ran out of money um when she got she uh slipped into dementia and just wasn't able to keep track of her money and like she ground herself into nothing like poverty um and nobody knew about it because nobody was keeping track, oh, right? No. It was just grandma, and so, so like, like all of all of that decision making is all it, it, it it's all about money, right? Yeah, <laughs> How yeah. much do you have? Who's taking care of it? Uh, who do you trust with it? And uh, and and there's there's so much that goes into that, uh, especially when you're dealing with multiple multiple households. Boy, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, the, I think maybe something that's common for all of us is, I mean, our parents are somewhat older at this point, you know, the, where, where they're still living and, uh, you know, like maybe retired. I, I was completely uninvolved with my parents' finances until a couple of years ago. I'm still pretty much uninvolved, 
but my dad had a fairly scary like emergency surgery and i mean i heard about it and and was on a plane in a couple of hours and got out there and fortunately i mean he was fine um they they managed to you know operate successfully and and stitch him back up and he's i think he's doing very well but i mean it was scary enough that my parents like took him back we're like okay well just in case we both die suddenly like here is the way that we're setting up our will here is the way that we've conducted our finances and and actually i was blown away um they they have more money than they live like they have (laughs) um but i mean you know I, i had no idea at all it um but but even even just even knowing about that sort of changes my relationship with them to to the extent that like I completely trust them to like monitor that money. I mean, in their, in their current mental state, you know, they're, they're both still incredibly sharp mm. on, and always have been, but you know, the, the way that they interact with their parents, I mean, they're very involved with their, their, well, my father's parents are both dead, but my, my mother's father is still alive and he's also very sharp and still completely managing his finances. But I mean, his kids are involved with it and like sort of monitoring like inputs and outputs and like making sure that it doesn't dissipate. So, and his, my mother's brother actually has a joint account with his father at this point. And I, I think the son mostly writes checks on, on his father's behalf. So, I mean, I think there's an extent to which that's just something that ends up happening when you age. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's yeah. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate hearing about that. I like There's a lot of like sort of I don't know themes that I, that are that are very interesting for me in this that are related to the stuff that I wrote about this like I don't know somehow I had this I I had I think I feel like I absorbed this idea from American culture broadly whatever that means that the way money is supposed to work here is that you're supposed to like uh, you're supposed to want financial independence that's a really big one you're supposed to like want to you know you graduate you go to school you graduate from college you know, you move away from your parents, graduate from college and to get to go to college. And then you graduate from college and then you move to another city and then you're supposed to get a job in that city. And then you're supposed to like become financially independent. And then you like support yourself. Maybe your parents helped pay for college or some part, partly or whatever. Maybe they didn't, whatever. Either way, you're supposed to like start supporting yourself and get like a job and like become independent. And it's, And if you're not able to do that, then there's some, it's, that's like bad somehow. You know, you're like you sort of like shirked some kind of duty to society or to your parents if you're going to do that. Uh, and I wondered now if if this kind of image of like here's the way it's supposed to go: you're supposed to go to college, you're supposed to get a job, you're supposed to support yourself, you're supposed to start a new family, is sort of like a a, a dream that we were able to have for like a relatively brief <clears throat> period of American history because of like the post-war economic, whatever. I wish I knew more about this. I could be presumably, you know, you probably know more about this than I a lot more about this than I do. Like sort of astonishingly good economic conditions that prevailed for like a couple of generations, but were maybe kind of an anomaly. And if we're not seeing like a correction back to like a sort of more normal state of affairs where we just, like enough people can't do that maybe now that we just like, that can't be the standard anymore. I don't know. I feel like I hear a lot about, you know, millennials who like need to post GoFundMe's all the time to like support themselves and all that kind of stuff. If if you want to get an idea of Americans and their relationship, like our our self image, 
in terms of, of family, you got to read the uh, Little House on the Prairie books mm. because they're very much like you're in the family and then you, you're you doing the thing. And, and Little House on the Prairie is, fat, is interesting because they literally make their house out of like the land, <laughs> right? Out of literally nothing. They build their house and they, mm. they get their stuff and they sew their own clothes and all that kind of thing. And then, then Laura marries and she is like done the family is done they're no longer supporting her she is out on her own her, she and her husband are now making their own house and oh. you know growing their own crops oh. and all that sort of thing and and there's it which is which is funny because something that i've um you know i'm i'm middle-aged i'm about middle-aged now and something that i've discovered embarrassingly late in my life is that the that's that's the ideal that's the story we americans tell ourselves the reality is always that the american dream is multi-generational right like it's it's very rare that the immigrant that then an immigrant will come to america and just like completely make it right the 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 reality is that they come they come and a lot of them will work as like laborers but then their kids make it Right, their kids might get up into right. middle class or upper middle class, and their kids get into like it. It almost rarely, it very rarely happens in the space of one generation or in the space of an individual life. Right. Um, I think that depends on whether immigrants came on H one B visas. <laughs> I, I mean, like, like honestly, you know, I, I, um, a lot of my coworkers are are first generation immigrants, and. I mean, like they're, they're making a lot of, I mean, they're, they're making enormous salaries. And also, you know, I've met a lot of first generation immigrants, um, off the top of my head, I'm thinking about people from Venezuela, Afghanistan, um, Somalia, Ethiopia. Um, and, and these are people that who are first generation immigrants who are here with their families and they, they mostly where I've encountered them is driving Uber. And I mean, I think that's just a very different kind of like way of entering the country. And H1B seems like it's a little bit more recent in some ways. I don't know the history of that, but there, there might be this kind of, you know, bifurcated path to like having intergenerational success. And so like maybe you come in and, and you drive an Uber and your kids, you know, go to public schools and, you know, to the extent they're able, they make it themselves and end up having pretty good life, like good isn't the right word, like right. relatively affluent lives. But I think, you know, some people who come here and like specifically to get relatively high paying jobs kind of skip that step. I have no idea how things work out for their kids, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, my parents are an example, right? Like they were, my dad was, you know, living in China and he was like, I'm going to make, I don't actually know the details, you know, somehow he was like, I'm going to make a better life for me and my family. And he decided to go work for Hewlett Packard. Uh, that's why mm. he us to Singapore. And then Hewlett Packard transferred him, or he asked for a transfer to the U.S., and that's why we moved to the U.S. So that's kind of how it all went down. As he was, uh, he was getting that sweet, sweet programmer salary. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then my mom started working uh, also in, uh, also in tech. So then there was a two. There were two programmer salaries. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> there's man. There's a lot of that. I remember when I was when I was very young. I was four. I lived in faculty family housing with my parents and um, the, the family downstairs, I was friend with their son whose name was Yang 
and we, uh, he was great. We we had a lot of fun. He played video games, and I watched him play video games. <laughs> and um, I mean, like, I found out, and you know, and his family was great. Like, they they cooked us a Thanksgiving duck, which was unusual for me. I've been oh, retrospect; so it was pretty. It's yeah, so much no. better than turkey. It's so much better than turkey. Come on. Yeah, and it's it, yeah. And, 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 you know, like I, I was totally blown away from the, by, by all of this, but like, you know, his family was great. And I mean, I learned later, like, I guess his dad in China had, had been like forced to work in coal mines or something. And then he came to the U S and ended up with two PhDs here. I mean, the, (laughs) just, just absurd stuff. Um, so I mean like the, I, I, for one, I'm really glad that we have that particular immigration pipeline right but um oh baby is waking up (laughs) um anyway sorry i didn't mean to go off on a tangent oh i think it's all there's just this whole topic is just so big you know it's just yeah encompasses so many like like it like the topic is called money in the title of the podcast but it's not like we're not here we're not exactly here to talk about economics you know we're here to talk about yeah the experience experience of being people in relationship with other people and money being a part of that relationship i don't have a good that was those are terrible words (laughs) i think there might be some like generational and and this i mean like millennials um Mm -hmm. felt like they grew up and i I, i'm like a super late millennial uh, super old millennial but um they felt like they grew up thinking that they were like all you got to do is go to college yeah and, yeah, you know, yeah and then right and you're and you're going to be fine right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yep, yep, yep. um well and and it's i think it's a little weird because you 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 mentioning it being a hundred thousand dollars that's like a that's a really good number for a lot of people oh sorry um that's a really good number for a lot of people to see and think i've never seen that much money ever Mm-hmm. right yeah, like yeah. if you could if you uh, I, I, I was thinking about this as we were is i was thinking about coming on this podcast because the only the uh, the largest amount of money i saved up before i bought a house i saved up fourteen thousand dollars right and i use that as my down payment and it's not nearly they won't get you anywhere close to 20 percent. so you've got like a pmi mortgage insurance on top of it uh, which makes the whole thing much substantially more expensive. Um, and it, you know, and I'm about to sell my house. And when I sell my house, we should, we should net um, about $120,000 out of that. And the, the, the path from saving up that, you know, that massive $14,000 all the way to actually having more than $100,000 in my bank account was a, 15 year path right and 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 it was punctuated by like a lot of really good shit happening to me right like i got lucky that i bought in good housing markets my houses have always gone up in value um i've always had no problem selling them i've i uh in in the time when i was unemployed the house i live in right now is like massively under rent right like i'm i'm probably fifteen hundred dollars a month under rent for my area and so like that all of that has contributed to me like seeing a hundred thousand dollars in cash um and a lot of people a lot of people who are my age or you know in their in their 30s look at that that amount of money and are just like they don't it's not that they can't imagine they can't imagine having a path towards that 
Like they have no idea in their mind of how they would end up with $100,000 in cash. I mean, I didn't either. You know, that was also (laughs) more money than I had ever seen before (laughs) for me too. Like, yeah, exactly. It was a ludicrous amount of money. (laughs) It was an obscene amount of money. Yeah. What are you doing? And like, this might be a good time to get into the response a little, which to the thread, which again, I have read very little of it, but you know, we're, we're up at, what is it like probably 8k retweets at this point, And also, Oh no, see that much, much, uh, let's find, let's find out. But, and also God knows how many more like, you know, sub tweets and like, it's just, there's just this, I hope the discourse is quieting down. I hope people are getting bored of this topic now, but, uh, there was a fascinating, like sub, there's a fascinating sub, discussion going on because uh halvers tweeted such he he like he was watching it out of this you know watching everything happen Mm. and he tweeted something about like how eager people are to find someone who it's socially acceptable to hate yeah that was a good that was a good tweet and that that tweet like (laughs) got enormous all on its own that drove people that drove people insane yeah everybody wanted so badly to be like wait no but it's okay to hate the people that i like like (laughs) want to hate right Right. they're they're like wait is he talking about republicans (laughs) if he's talking if i hate him if he's talking about republicans (laughs) here i hate him if he's like they're trying to figure out who he's talking about what side he's on yeah right and and they're like the people are were like making themselves legitimately angry oh my god Reading his tweet and trying to figure out who he was trying to be nice to. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, it was it was you. Oh, it was me yeah. the whole time. Oh no. It, that 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 made me feel really good about that that time when I was talking about how billionaires are the most oppressed class in America. That was a very funny <laughs> and rap thread was amazing. <laughs> But I mean, like Culver's did it better, right? I mean, like everyone is really desperate to get people who it's socially acceptable to hate. And I mean, like a really clear group that falls into that category is people who are or who appear to be rich, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I mean, I think, you know, thinking about the reaction, okay. So like there are boring reactions like ours where it's like, oh yeah, this is a really interesting like thing about how, you know, money can relate to a family and, you know, how it can complicate family ties. And then there were the people who, who, who just absolutely lost their shit at you. And I mean, like, you know, so, so some things that are at the top of my mind about this, Mm. like everybody knows that like, okay, so you're currently unemployed, right? Yep. So like everybody knows that Bill Gates has like tens of billions of dollars. And I don't think, think they respond to him just like being somewhere in public by yelling at him and to an extent they do you know to an extent they definitely do mm-hmm. and that's something that comes up um but like the i i understand that you got like maybe hundreds of dms of people asking you for money over a hundred before i remembered i could close them i was like oh shit i should close my dms this week <laughs> I did count them. I did want to count. I was like, I do. I am kind of curious how many there are. And yeah, I counted. They were literally over 100. Yeah, but it, but it's interesting, right? I mean, like, so again, and and I'm emphasizing this just, you know, to 
put your situation in context. Like you are currently unemployed. <laughs> you are not making large amounts of money right now. Yeah, but I also but looked like, like a dumb I also looked kind of dumb, you know. They're like, oh this could this guy could be an easy mark, you know? Yeah, a guy who won an NSF scholarship was looks looks dumb. It's like I don't know. Um you know, I think I think Bill Gates is like kind of a fixture. He's like a cultural fixture at this point. Now you're sort of a known quantity. You sort of know what he will and won't do. Yeah, like, but, okay, like, or is me? I'm like, well, who, who, who knows maybe the, he'll do it. Maybe, who yeah. knows what this guy's capable of? <laughs> yeah, who knows how well, dumb he is after having tweeted that. <laughs> like, well, yeah, well, yeah. okay, but like, you know, so I mean, like, there are a lot of people who are like mid-level programmers who say in their bio, like, I'm a programmer at Google. Right? right. And it's not difficult to go and check what typical annual income for like even relatively prominent programmers at Google is. Mm-hmm. But they don't typically have people piling on them for making several hundred thousand dollars a year for working at Google. Yeah. If you can call that work. You know? <laughs> like and like, and it's just one little inferential step from this person has such and such a job, they're probably making this much money to like this idea that there is a specific dollar amount that at one point you had to people like seeing you as a target for scorn. Yeah. And I, my sense is that you probably violated a taboo and I don't have a really clear sense of what the taboo is because I think it's so much of a taboo that like you don't even say what the taboo is at all. Right, you just kind of have it inculcated from a very early age. Like, yeah, that's not something that you do. Yeah, well, I missed that. My parents didn't tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, whatever it was, you know, like, like I, I, I was talking to a friend about this earlier today. They were like, "Oh yeah," who was also, you know, somewhat like her parents have money and stuff. And she was like, "Oh yeah, I was, I was taught at a very young age to not talk about that stuff ever. <laughs> that's something you learn when you have." money where i come from i'm like ah okay i didn't learn about that <laughs> that's something yeah i missed that day of school you know, like, yeah. I, yeah i actually talked to my mom and asked her if i could have this conversation because i was like i'm going to talk about you and i'm going to talk about mm. you know money and and um is is that okay are you comfortable with that and she's like whatever wow nice good for her so yeah. yeah there is some like there something something yeah, I think you're, like in some sense, I violated some kind of taboo. And I also don't feel like I have a very good understanding of what that taboo is. It's not exactly just don't talk about money. It's like some kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping to like, to like uh, brainstorm about Figure it or something. It's, it's complicated by the fact that again, I've read very few of the responses. So I don't have like a wealth of data to go off of. Uh, yeah, well, I'm couple. like. The responses are all just deranged, right? Like, <laughs> like you're bad because you're rich, which I mean, let me emphasize again, you're unemployed. Right? Um, <laughs> and have, not that, to rub that, it in, <laughs> but, but, but like, I mean, honestly, if I could be unemployed, I, I would be on that. It's all right. It's some ways. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like there's a lot of that and like j- just a lot of this, like aggressively Marxist energy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you sort of highlighted yourself as like a member of the out group in, in this very legible way. Like, you, you know what it's like? It's like um, someone can, it, it, it's like if somebody is doing some kind of like, I think here's what I think it is. Here's what I think it is. Um, 
I think there's like this belief that certain people have where they're like this, this, this group of people, this class of people is bad, but they haven't done anything where we can really nail them about it. <laughs> and, and you came out there and like, there was this very clear thing where like you received some amount of money that seemed like a lot of money and you didn't do anything in some sense that would like make getting that money morally justifiable. Right. Uh-huh. So like maybe, maybe like people tend not to hate like movie stars or Steve jobs for getting God knows how many millions of dollars for whatever they do. But there's a way in which like it's understood that that amount of money is like socially sanctioned because of whatever they did. Okay. And you didn't do some socially sanctioned thing, right? Like you didn't win the lottery. You didn't make iPhones. You didn't star in boss baby Two, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and so like that makes you kind of a target. And right. then, there's that complicating thing where like the response to getting money is supposed to be, I am really grateful for this thing. Right. And the fact that like your response to it was not like humble gratefulness, like, okay, there, there, there was some basketball star. I don't watch basketball, but like he announced he was moving from like Ohio to Miami or something like that because he was going and, and he just said, well, they're going to pay me more. And I guess he became widely hated for this just because it was like, no, you're supposed to say that you're moving to this other city because you're excited about the potential for working on this team there and such and such. But no, man, like he's just like, no, they're, they're paying me more. So I'm moving. And um, like that made him a figure of contempt, like, like just, just actually admitting that money is a motivation somewhere Which is, is enough. confusing, right? Because isn't it like the whole points of the American dream or whatever? Like, this is one of the things <laughs> that I'm trying to figure out as like a dumb sheltered kid, who, like dumb sheltered second generation immigrant who like doesn't quite understand the score. Like, what do you Americans actually think about money in the end? Is it good or bad? Are you allowed to want it or not? What's the deal? Fucking explain yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so, so, so it's kind of like status, right? Like everybody wants it. Everybody is pursuing it constantly and you're supposed to play it off. Like it's no big you're deal. You're supposed to play it off. It's like, it's exactly like sex too. It's like sex in that yeah. way. Also, like, yeah. And, and if you can't play it off, like it's no big deal, then you don't talk about it at all. Oh God. Uh, yeah. 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 It's exactly like sex like that too. Right. Like, I mean like the, the entire, like this guy fucks thing. Yeah. Right. Like that response to somebody like saying, yeah, I, I went out and like, I definitely had sex with a female, you know, <laughs> like, like the response to that is this guy fucks because they're being absurd. Like, yeah, you're, you're getting laid. Like we're proud of you, man. But like, we're not, don't rub it in. And right. I, I mean, like, so I, I think that's the thing where we're like, you can kind of hint that maybe you have money and use that to flex on people if you're a rapper, but <laughs> But like, you're really not supposed to do that. And you're supposed to like, take your money and go and live quietly and not make a big deal of it in public. Well, and and the money has to come to you a certain way. Right. Yeah. Right. Like gifts, gifts are weird, Um, especially gifts of money. But if you earn it, like, I think everybody is mostly okay with people who earn money. Right. And there's a lot of self-worth and identity that Americans a lot like put on yeah, that yeah, yeah, right yeah, like yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. and it's it's interesting because i'm i'm a christian and i've been talking with a lot of my my fellow christians uh, we think i mean not all of us obviously because there's a problem in the church but 
uh, we think there's a problem in the church because a lot of the leadership positions end up going to people who have a lot of money or make a lot of money. And it isn't even because they have the money. It's because we accord people who have high paying jobs as being leaders, as being high status in other ways. And so like you would, I know very little, very few janitors, right. Uh Who, who are in leadership positions at their church, which in theory shouldn't matter. Um, And I don't, I actually don't think it was always this way. I think 50 or 70 years ago, a church might have people in leadership positions who were garbage men or or mail carriers or or something like that. Um, But a lot of the churches now, you know, it's, it's the business owners or the doctors and lawyers. And, and it, it doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason except that they're, this person is better because they have a higher income not even because of the money, but because of, of some sort of like, yeah, man, man, this is complicated. I think <laughs> there's some weird status thing uh-huh, that we uh-huh. don't want to admit is money based, but it's totally <laughs> money based. What if it's something that's correlated with money? Well, I, I think I see. I think we tell ourselves that. Yeah, I think we tell ourselves that the the leadership things are correlated with money. I don't think they are as much as we think they are. Isn't there some kind of like concept kind of related to this in American Christianity, like the prosperity gospel. Isn't that like a whole thing? Where oh, like, yeah. I, 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 I consider that I, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy for right, that because right. I consider that like just heretical and okay. it makes me so angry. All right. I, <laughs> never mind. No, no, it's, it's a, see, and there, that actually is a beautiful example of you like coming across a tripwire and in, in a foreign <laughs> culture. I'm like, I don't think either of us are mad at you. <laughs> and 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 it's you know I, I don't even I'm not even <laughs> religious, but even just like hearing the words prosperity gospel as a topic of conversation is like <laughs> pen right into my eye. Oh, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know, man. I, I mean, Polly Math in your case, like I think I, I could definitely say in my own case since I've been out of school. The, the extent to which I'm able to perform at my job has less to do with anything like raw ability in terms of like moving linear algebra operators around and more to do with just being organized in a really basic way that I haven't, <laughs> frankly, I have not been for a lot of my life. And it is a daily struggle to try and like push that margin where I'm, you know, really directly paying attention to whatever is in front of my face, (laughs) which is hard. It's fucking hard. And then you think about trying to get other people to do things that they're supposed to do. And they're also struggling to do anything. I mean, like, you know, it sucks. It's not like, you know, getting a bunch of boys together and going and chopping wood or like digging a ditch, which I honestly <laughs> would enjoy more than my current job. It's like, no, we have to make sure all these fucking boxes are checked and and like everything is working in this very orderly way. And like just I, I think that's a major divide across different tranches of income. It's like how much of this like abstract organizational management can you actually handle? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, I, I, I would guess that at least there's a correlation between being able to force yourself to do that. And so <laughs> someone mentioned this the other day, I am like, no offense, but fuck non-coercion. I coerce myself to do things all the time. That's fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But like, I, I don't know. I, I could see that being true, but it's also true 
that it has been a long time since I've been in an organization where there is like a real like cross class participation in it. You know what I mean? Like it, it seems like church is one of those last like vertically integrated sorts of organizations in the country where it's like, yeah, people from all walks of life, as they say, like get together for some shared goal. And it's, it's supposed to be. It's yeah, it's, 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 oh, no. it's, it's, oh. bifur- it's bifurcating because in part, because I mean, ultimately we, uh, in, in theory, all Christians have as their foundation, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ in practice, it's like our culture is making people so angry at each other over stuff that, um, one of the things that <laughs> there is actually a very big lack or, or, or um, need for pastors and churches in rural America. And the reason is because most pastors have to go to school, go to university and get a theology degree, often a graduate degree. And they, that puts them in a certain class level and they don't want to go to rural America. Right. And they don't connect to those people anymore. And so like the pastors end up in basically a separate class and a separate educational class than their parishioners. And there's just like, there's no connection anymore. That's rough. It's huh. weird. There was, yeah, there's something that's like, there's more of a need for, for churches or pastors in certain parts of America than everybody always says Africa, but you know, some like some, some place where you would always, where churches would always send pastors because they're like, well, they don't have any pastors out there. Um, so yeah, it, it's like you said, it's supposed to be, it was, I think, and I think it held out for a long time. But more and more, it's becoming that that bifurcated where we don't have any connection to each other um, across a class divide. That's rough. Oh boy, it sucks. <laughs> Do you think how's how's the Catholic Church doing with this? I have this idea that they might be doing better, but I guess they can just like assign people to go to churches at different points in time, and like that's just how it is, buddy. <laughs> so, I don't. I can't speak to that. I don't know enough about it. Yeah. You get somebody from Word Catholic Twitter to come on and talk. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm I'm curious, like what when people have you have you read the the responses of people like asking you for money? Well, how do people how do people approach someone? How could they- somebody do that? Like okay, <laughs> so so like it's verboten to say like yeah I got a hundred thousand dollars for my parents, mm-hmm. but. You know what's really fucked up is asking somebody else you don't know for money. What? <laughs> like, well, that's insane to me. It happened I, very I, easily. Many people were just like, yo, <laughs> if you don't want that money, you should give it to me. <laughs> one person, <laughs> one, uh, oh, I kind of don't want to say this because I don't want to give people ideas, but it's one person found my Venmo and requested $1,000 for me. On, I think as a joke. I don't think he thought I was going to do it, obviously. But oh, like, yeah, requested yeah. $1,000 for me on Venmo. And I was like, hey, if you don't want that money, you should give it to me. <laughs> and like, I think this has somehow just become a very popular meme or something to say that kind of thing. It's like, well, if you don't want to give it to me. Like, that's, that's a thought that I've had in my head with other people in the past have complained about having money. But like, insofar as that's a serious question that someone might have of me is like well if you don't want it then why don't you give it away is that like there's opportunity costs everywhere man like every <laughs> place that i could give this money means some other place won't have the money if i give it to chair to one charity it means another charity won't have it if i save it to use on my hypothetical future family that means i won't be able to use it 
to start a company. If I use it to start a company, that means I won't be able to use it to take care of my parents when they are older or even older than they are. Like there's so many, it's, it's baffling to me, like how many different ways I could use this money. And I don't know how to decide between them. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was not a question I was ever prepared to answer. And I've like, you know, this was my, like the first step I took in that direction was just like, okay, obviously I have a lot of, I'm struggling with a lot of like conflicted feelings about money. And I've just slowly trying to tang- untangle them a little bit so I can like even think about the topic at all. You know? The funny thing is I, I'm really, I didn't even think about that part of it because like, you know, I, I, I talk about like, I'm get you know, I'm going to have this money after selling a house, but that like, I, as I said, I have 15 years to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I knew where the money was. I knew what I owed and I was paying on. And then I sold that house and I knew what, it, what I, I knew roughly what I could get for it. I knew the money that was coming in. I, I sold that house and bought a new house and like the whole, like the whole thing has been in my mind is like, okay, well, if I sell for this much, I'm going to get that much out of it. Like making plans. What am I going to do with it? I was like, like, if you just drop, if I just opened up my bank account and there was a hundred thousand dollars yep. that I didn't know, like right there, <laughs> I, well, and, and it's funny because I was talking to my wife about how weird it's going to be to have, when we sell the house, to have that money in the bank account, because all of our decisions about how well we're doing are made in like thousand two thousand dollar increments, right? Because that's because that's our, our our monthly. We're always trying to get the money to grow, right? Mm. So you know, we we're always trying to spend less than we make, but that money goes up only a little bit at a time. And if like I'm not going to be able to dif- differentiate between having ten thousand, like I can I can tell the difference between ten thousand and fifteen thousand dollars in my bank account. Mm. I'm not sure I have like a an internal sense of the difference between 120 and 125,000 dollars in my It's very confusing. Let me tell you. <laughs> like, like I found myself. This is a really dumb story, but it's sort of going to illustrate a thing that I've been confused about for a, a while now. Is like I I play a mobile game that's not that's like a little bit exploitative. You know, it's a little bit trying to get me to spend money on things all the time, and I largely resist that urge but sometimes i give in and like i keep track of how much money i spend on this game and it's not that much so far it's like 40 bucks or something but like you know i like i like agonize over decisions in this game it's like should i spend like a dollar on this thing there's like a thing i could spend one dollar in this game on and i agonize like should i what oh is this good am i like am i like contributing to like this unhealthy dynamic with this video game that's like trying to get me to spend money. And meanwhile, I have a hundred thousand fucking dollars in my bank. Like, <laughs> like, what's up with that, man? <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I, I have never had this. <laughs> like, whatever amount of money has been in my bank account has always just made sense to me, and I knew exactly how that was going to translate to different decisions on my part. Whoa, and. I mean, like I've I've never I've never like tracked my expenses in the formal sense. It's just like okay, I know about I like at any given time I know about how much money I've spent in a given month and how much I have in my bank account and like what I can expect from my paychecks. And it's like all right, well, I can make decisions on this basis on the fly, but I don't need to think about it any further than that. Whoa. And further, <laughs> like I think I have expenditures planned out to such a degree that I know exactly what it means to have any amount of, like if you gave me a million dollars today, 
I would know exactly where that money was going to go. I would know exactly what it would mean for my expenses. And to be clear, I do not have a million dollars or anything close to it, you know, but I mean, it's like, okay, I know exactly how I would split this out, where it would go in terms of allocation. And so like, maybe I'm just really autistic about this. I don't know. I know. I think it's more like, you know, you, you have, you like know what's going on in your life and you know what you want to do with it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess more than I can say for myself, you know, Uh. I think, I think that 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 was like your original comment about not being able to know people or make sense of their decisions unless you know about their, their family and and their money. Mm. Um, Like if you gave me a million dollars right now, I'm like, Oh, okay. I would do, I would do these things and they're all aligned around making sure my mom doesn't die in poverty. Like all of them. Yeah, um, great. <laughs> and that's, that's because, because, you know, she's, she has a set amount of money and it's, I mean, it's getting a little bit bigger cause she has dividend stocks, but it's not getting a lot bigger. Um, and it, it, she's just going to draw down on it. Right. Until, and so like, the, like right now my, our goal with her is to trust, try to get her, her nest egg to self, like to not draw down. Right. Right. To like, to get enough interest and enough dividends that she can live off of that money without uh because because she's i mean she's her mother is almost 90 and her grandmother lived to like 97 so wow. my mom's got another 30 or 40 years in her Ooh, crap. <laughs> and and uh and, and we got to make sure that that you know that she doesn't die in poverty so like like but you know but if if my dad was still alive and I, I didn't have any idea with my what my family's finances were about like i wouldn't be thinking about that at all Right. I'd be thinking about, hmm, can I start a business or buy a house or like, like I'd be doing completely different things with that money. I'd be making completely different decisions. Here's an idea. And I'm curious what you make of it, Polymath. I think thinking about money doesn't completely, I mean, especially larger quantities of money, right? Like the sort of money that you might earn over a lifetime of working or Mm -hmm. over like years or decades of working doesn't really gel in the same way until you're thinking about how you're planning the trajectory of like paying for a family or an extended family over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, when my parents talk about money that my grandfather has, for example, it's always in the context of how much is he spending? How much is he getting from various sources of income? He's, I mean, he's a, he, ha, he has a full disability status from mm-hmm. world war two. Um, he, he was deafened by artillery basically. Whoa. Um, yeah. Ha, hell of an your, interesting guy. Uh, he, your grandfather's he, still alive. Yeah. He's 98 wow. or something like that. Good job. Um, <laughs> yeah. Grandpa hell, bot, like, man. yeah. Hell of a guy. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, I, he, soup, Super, super interesting guy. He was an engineer. He, uh, he's he's the one with the secret German family by accident. Secret. <laughs> uh, but that's a story for another day. All right. So, so like you know, he has full disability that that's sort of paying for his his living expenses. Um, but yeah, you know, at the same time, it's like it take he's he's not in great shape, and it, it takes a fair amount of money to support him. And I, I think a lot of people who haven't seen people deal with elder care or you know, like had to do it themselves don't really have a clear sense of like what's involved in managing that. And, and it's, it's kind of overwhelming. And I mean, my, my parents were fantastic in a lot of ways. And I think 
one of the things that I'm most appreciative of that I really didn't understand when I was younger was how much effort they put into making sure that they would be pretty self-sufficient financially in their in their older years, which they, they succeeded in by basically not spending very much money during my childhood and left me with the impression that we were like middle, middle class at best, sort of lower middle class. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I had no idea like what they were spending money on or it turns out not spending money on anything you know we we drove rusted out cars and like lived in small houses and like you know bought walgreens jeans or wherever the hell you buy jeans that isn't great um i had to i had to like argue up to old navy you know um but yeah but i mean like where it's left us in the end is one i ended up being like really careful about how i was spending money and how i was like treating money that you know, I was earning and, and making sure that everything added up at the end of every month. Um, but then also like as they're aging, there's not that much that I need to do for them. And there's not that much that I need to do for my brother, which is the other major consideration. I mean, I, I had a certain realization in my mid twenties that my, my brother who's older and who I th- is semi-independent, but you know, he's, he's got a lot of problems. Um, sort of, I, less physically and, and, and more just behaviorally. Like I was expecting when I got older to just end up being responsible for him after, you know, my parents are gone. And so like, I I was actively planning for, all right, what am I going to do with my brother? Like, I need to make sure that I have a career trajectory in such a way that, you know, I'm going to be able to help him just have a life for himself. And, and like, you know, I don't know what kind of life it's going to be, but I hope it's dignified in, in some way or another. And I mean, basically I found out that my parents have been like thinking about this and planning for this for decades, because of course they had. And, and I mean, that's just not going to be a problem for me. And that's, I mean, that's a huge gift that I had not expected and, and that I'm actually very grateful for. Um, you better be. Yeah, I know. I know. Or else I'm really in deep shit. Right. But, um, but, you know, even now it's like what, when, you know, I'm earning some certain amount of money, it's like, okay, I usually think about it in the context of like, how can I make sure that I'm earning and spending money in such a way that things that are like really large life problems that can be solved by money are problems that I have sufficient money to solve with money specifically, you know? So, I mean, like. I have no idea what those problems will be. Maybe we'll have a kid who's, who's special needs in some way who just needs a lot of care. I mean, like that, that's a huge commitment. Right. Right, right. And you know, I want them to be able to have a good life and you know, like I want to make sure that when I'm older, my kids don't have to worry about me. And that's, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. So that's that's funny again. Like, so my, my grandmother who is almost 90 um, is she's on an annuity that was left to her by her ex-husband. I'm sorry, her husband, he died. At, at yeah, December. right. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And she's, she's on an annuity. And um, maybe this is another weird American thing. It drives me crazy. But my mom bought a house, a small house, and has a room for my grandma when my grandma's annuity runs out and she doesn't have any money. And my grandma refuses to move, so far, has refused to move in with my mom. She's like, no, I'm just going to move to, like, public housing or something. And we're like, public housing? Right, right. This, this little old, little old, ninety-year-old lady is like, and she because she doesn't want to be a burden. Yeah, 
Very and, American. Very American. Uh, yeah, just like not like it's and it's, it doesn't matter to her that like my mom is preparing for this. I'm preparing when I buy a house. I'm aiming to have a house that grandma can move into in case mom needs a little space from grandma. Um, and and but like I'm I'm embarking on a two or three year project of convincing grandma to not like <laughs> go live in a car. <laughs> Oh man! It's- yeah, well, well, but I mean, imagine it like from your perspective as as a parent, right? Like, it, it's hard for me to imagine, and I think I could manage to do it, but I think it'd be really hard for me to move in with my hypothetical, you know, sixty year old daughter in in sixty years. Will I even be alive then? Uh, <laughs> dicey, dicey yeah. at best. Well, the you world, know, the world will be in a very weird place <laughs> in sixty years. God only knows. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other thing, right? So, like, what that if the world the falls thing. apart? Like, it'd be nice thing. if I could have some amount of money that that I could use to, like, you know, transport myself around. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people think about money as like something related to conspicuous consumption. But I think that the more I don't know, kind of mature way of looking at large amounts of money is like, how am I going to use this to support various dependents and or myself in various situations and, Mm -hmm. you know, have these structural things in my life such that if something bad happens or if something bad is happening, if something challenging is happening, like I can turn that from something that is a disaster into something that is somewhat more manageable. And so like, you know, I drive a civic, you know, like I, there was a time in my life when I hoped maybe I would feel good about like buying, buying a coupe, like maybe, maybe a little Miata or something, but like, I'm not going to do that. Like get real, man. (laughs) So I don't know. Um, what, I don't know. What what do you, what are you taking away from this QC? Like what we've said so far? I, I, it's just so like, I'm trying to like keep it all straight in my, just like, I think so a general kind of way I feel about society. (laughs) This is just going to be one of the most pretentious things I've ever said. I'm sorry. Um, Is like, there's just such a confusing mass of like, and conflicting mass of like things I'm supposed to pretend I believe. Yeah. And I don't like that. That is, (laughs) that's what I got to say (laughs) about that. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. I don't want to do it. It it confuses me a great deal to try. Uh, okay, what are what are your top five things that you're that you don't think that you're supposed to? <laughs> don't actually answer that. I'm kidding. No, no, um, but like, but, but go like on all, about this, money. all this stuff around the money thing. He's like, ah, it's like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you're supposed to have it. Sometimes you're not supposed to have it. Sometimes you're supposed to like give it to your people you care about. Sometimes you're supposed to not do that. Like, uh, maybe it makes sense to other people. It doesn't really. I don't. It doesn't really something about it's like not quite adding up for me yet like around but, like, but you have to pretend it does is an it it interesting like everybody thing, yeah. has to pretend they know i'm supposed to like not it. be confused about it which is like this is the most confusing thing i've ever tried to think about i and i have once tried to think about like you know research level hyper hyper technical advanced mathematics that was much less confusing than this <laughs> different circuitry okay much, so, much less confusing. yeah okay so so here wait i have a couple more thoughts um, so one of them is that norms around money and how you discuss money vary quite a lot across right. classes. Oh yeah. Right. Um, 
I mean, I, and I couldn't tell you in what ways, because, you know, I grew up in one very specific class, which is like, go and earn money. Don't spend a lot of money. Make sure that you're using it aggressively, responsibly. Stop spending money. Like you don't need that shit. Right. <laughs> like, what's that? You have $10 million. I, I don't, but like, <laughs> yeah, well, doesn't matter. Buy a used car. And, and I, I actually still believe that. I think that's ideal. Um, but I think there are enough differences across different economic and social classes in terms of like norms around how you discuss money and yeah. how you treat money and how so you maybe, handle maybe, it. That maybe, like, that's, maybe, that, maybe, maybe I can in, in the in light of that, I can give like a more specific sort of question for myself, which is like, what, cl- who do I have class loyalties to? I have no idea. <laughs> like, well, you don't need to be loyal to your class, right? Sure. I mean, like, you know, fuck them, but, but it's like, uh, okay, you could say, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how many people listening to this will know my sort of professional background, but I used to be a grad student in mathematics and I dropped out for various reasons and I don't want to go back. So, but I was headed to theoretically, I, you know, to a, to a observe casual observer, I was headed to a comfortable position in academia somewhere. You know, I was headed to like, I don't know what to call it exactly the managerial class or like the that, yeah, yeah, professional managerial pro- class. Professional managerial class. That's where I was headed, and I like didn't make it there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and now I'm somewhere else, and I don't really know where. It's like very confusing because the amount of money I have does not accurately reflect anything else about my life. <laughs> yeah, you're still professional managerial class. Oh, am sorry, I? man. Oh no. Yeah, you, you're I? not. Oh, you're not going to escape. Oh um, fuck. <laughs> I mean, like how? I mean, you you have a PhD from. I have a master's. I have a master's oh, you have a math. Oh, you didn't graduate. I didn't get. You yeah. know what? It doesn't matter. Like, okay, look at who your friends are, right? That yeah. is a very you easy have a, way. You have a master's oh, in mathematics. I have a master's and that, in mathematics. So that's, that's a real That's master. real PMC energy right there. All right, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I I think you would have to exert a bit of energy, but I, I imagine it would be pretty straightforward for you to find, uh, honestly, a pretty well-paying job. And uh, if, you, if you could master the, like, organizational shit and make yourself care about it enough, like, you would do pretty well. That last bit, though, to make myself care about it, I, my track record we all, on that is oh, we all struggle. It's like oh for five or something at this point, <laughs> oh for three at least. Yeah, but, uh, there, there's I, with my own job and my own career, I found that like a really huge part of it is not pissing people off, oh, and shit. like if I can just keep that, I just have to keep that line. Oh, no. Um, and and if I can manage to do that, then then the rest of it works out okay that's another thing so that's another thread in this whole thing that i'm very curious about and that is probably going to be uh unpleasant to talk about too too specifically on twitter but which is very interesting to me is that like you know there's this whole thing that has happened in like the leftist sphere over the last several years where everything has gotten extremely politicized and everyone has gotten very like concerned with all of these rigid new moral guidelines that they just invented and like Here's all the things that you have to say and not say in order to be a good person or to be considered a person in good standing or whatever. And if you don't say those things, maybe to be considered a person at all, a person at all. And if you don't say those things, you'll be like, fired or whatever. And it's very, I, I read this very fascinating blog post once that recast all of this as like basically a, basically a kind of, uh, I don't I'm not going to get the, the words right for it. Like basically like a scrabble for jobs, <laughs> like that all this stuff sort of, came about in response to diminishing economic opportunities for for millennials mm-hmm. probably for millennials specifically and that like it was like all right there's we, we thought there were going to be more opportunities like many of us went through college or whatever and we expected jobs to come out on the other side and they didn't come out 
Now there's less jobs. So what are we going to do to compete over those jobs? Ah, we will compete for moral superiority. That's what we're going to do. We're going to compete to be the most moral people or whatever, according to these rules that we're going to invent about how to be a moral person. And that's how we're going to apportion the jobs. And if you step out of line, you don't get a job. You don't get a job. Go away. Get out of here. And like recasting that whole thing in economic terms, in primarily economic terms was like a real, uh, I had to sit down for a minute, you know, I was like, Oh shit. Oh fuck. I don't, I don't think I buy that. You don't think you buy it? Like, yeah. I mean like, okay. So there, there are like implicit codes for how you behave at work and sometimes explicit, right? Like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to walk into Google headquarters and, and open carry. (laughs) I, I don't know if there exist jobs where you can do that, but like, you know, that a gun shop. I, I think it would be difficult to go into work at Google and, and wear a MAGA hat, uh-huh. you know, it, <laughs> but, but, but like, I, I think there is this like hardening of, of like s- social class lines. And I, I do think it is also true that like, there's a lot of people who expected to make it into, you know, this like super, you know, plush world of coding for six hours a day, five days, or maybe four days a week. And like, you know, earning, earning half a million dollars a year. And, 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 and like, I just don't, I I think there is that kind of a difference in expectations and that's probably contributing to a lot of, I mean, just a lot of tension socially and otherwise, but I, I, so like, I think that's a, factor in how people behave but i don't actually see people competing so much about that at work yeah could be my workplace right i i think the there is a moral the 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 moral thing that you're talking about isn't necessarily about jobs but it's definitely about status Mm -hmm. because uh people used to uh, like and i i think still do well, we've talked a little bit about jobs and status and money and that, and that sort of thing. And and there are a lot of there are a lot of people. Let's be frank, who went to college and thought, "I graduate college, and then I'll have a well-paying job that I can work for the rest of my life, and and I'll be in this high-status group of people." Uh-huh. And there's a lot of people that didn't work out for, especially people who didn't go into like technical or you know practical practical things, and so they end up competing for for moral status um through this sort of um performative performative morality um because they because their normal their normal methods of status status seeking um turned out to be sort of dead end yeah whoops (laughs) (laughs) brutal stuff i I mean mean, this this whole saga is like very fascinating to me i would love to see someone put together like a a thorough history of how this came to happen. And it's like, it seems like a very genuinely a long story that involves lots of parts of the internet in a complicated way. Like Tumblr obviously played a huge role. 4chan in some weird way played a huge role. Twitter obviously played a huge role in like fomenting this, this situation in which we find ourselves in which like, I, 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 I know at least one, at least one and possibly multiple New York times reporters had nothing better to do than to dunk on me on like a random, <laughs> Like you should, are, you should just link them our interview about, uh, <laughs> there are, I mean, so someone, someone pointed out to me that they were like, Oh, you know what? Probably part of what's pissing people off about this whole QC thread thing is that when people see something on their feed, they assume it's being written by someone who is talking to them. And then they read this 
and they're like how dare you fucking talk to me that way and i'm like i'm sitting here being like listen i literally did not write that tweet for you this was not for you i am not the reason it's on your feed the reason it's on your feed is because a bunch of fucking new york blue checks you know including new york times reporters thought they had nothing better to do than to put it in and your like feed. how many of those <laughs> motherfuckers have trust funds i'm exactly, sorry exactly right right like, like i'm so i'm genuinely so curious about that because i bet there's a lot of fucking you know people whose parents have a lot of money on the in these twitter fucking uh, oh yeah dunking you know, <laughs> you know who taylor lorenz's parents are Let's oh find tell out. me tell me oh my i'm God, going please, to find out please so you did you hear that so the subs apparently substack offered her like 300k to start a letter and she turned them down and <laughs> and they did they did this specifically after she was complaining that, you know, even being a reporter for the New York Times, she can't make enough money to blah, blah, blah. And so they're like, well, we'll give you money. And she was like, shit. Um, and the, what I've heard is that the suspicion is that she is she has a trust fund. She doesn't need the money. Right. Oh. And so she can complain about money because she doesn't need it. She the Wikipedia article mentions nothing about her parents. It does say she grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, which Yeah. That, oh, she grew up in does Greenwich. That, does that smell like old money to you? I have no idea. Oh, yes. <laughs> you kidding? Yes. <laughs> she she went to a I, my understanding is she went to a, a fucking private boarding school in Switzerland or something. Possibly oh even the one where uh Kim Jong il went. I don't know. <laughs> or Kim Il sung, what, whatever. Um, the there is the current one. There's, there's almost uh conspicuously this, no, little information about her parents on her Wikipedia article. Uh, yeah, I I mean, like, this is, uh, to, to avoid slander, this is speculation, and I have no sources for this, but it is it is a fact that coming into this conversation, my belief was that her parents were loaded and she went to a private boarding school in Switzerland. I think the fact that I believed that <laughs> is that not debatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, right. Big boring. fucking Greenwich energy. <laughs> um, oh. yeah. Fuck, Someone God. must be gossiping about this on Twitter. I'm gonna see if I can find. <laughs> this is degenerated. Very a bit. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. I, I. It's I. It's interesting because I. I know a couple kids who I know a couple trust fund kids. Um, but most of the people that I know are it, their relationship with, with money comes a, a great deal from their parents. And, um, and, and it's, it's been fascinating to watch as I have a couple friends who I have one friend who her, her grandparents had money they left it to her mom and her mom tragically died young and left it to her dad and her dad was an idiot. Um, and so like all of the money, like poof, disappeared. And it's left to the kids in like a really, really tough spot. Um, and, and like climbing out of that hole generationally is going to take, it's going to take like multiple generations for them to, to climb, climb out of this hole of just having, going, going from money to nothing. There's a there's an uh, American aphorism about that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Mm. Shirt sleeves, uh, which shirt yeah, so like some guy like you know grows up poor, you know, um, works hard, makes a ton of cash, passes it on to his kid who you know blows it all, and then um, the the grandchild is like, well, I guess I'm broke again. 
Well, I think I think there's an interesting there's an interesting conversation, and I I feel like I'm just gonna like shotgun spray it out uh, about like all those all those things about like oh I own my you know I I bought my own house by X Y you know by the time I was 27 or whatever, um, and there and the joke is always that you know somewhere in the article it's like oh and then my parents put down the down payment and the, and um, you know and, and it was basically my my parents money that made it possible for me to sort of like be debt free and and own my own house and and uh, you know command my own future and that sort of thing um, and I'm trying I really want to know is there like a good is there a good example of how to do this with your kids because I it looks by the time my kids are in college, like I should have enough money to be able to put a, as long as they don't go to college in like Seattle, I should have enough money to put a down payment on a house. And I would love to just like get a house, shove my kid into it instead of doing on campus and be like, find two roommates. Right. And you're in charge of all the money. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to do this. Um, and, and have, have them like, and, and then be like, okay, and then when you're done, you can have the house. Whoa. Um, Shit. You know, and they'd have, they'd have to take over the mortgage and everything, right? And so, like, ultimately, most of the places where I'm looking at doing something like this, it would be, like, a townhome or something, right? So you're looking at something that's two to $300,000. Um, but I could, I could scrape enough together to get, like, to – especially with, you know, other houses that I have. Um, I could scrape enough together to do that. Is that a good idea? I don't know. Like what, what, where I know that, that being debt free is super helpful. Right. I know people who are in debt and it sucks. Yeah. Um, And, and I, you know, there are people, there are people who like just claw their way out of debt until they retire. And it's kind of horrifying to watch. So I, I, I'm uncertain how much, uh, how much of a leg up is appropriate to give my kids? Well, so in my case, um, I looked, I assumed that my parents were broke when I was applying to schools and I ended up applying to three schools. Two of them were in the public university system in my state where I went to high school. And one was at the public university in the state next door, which had reciprocity with the state where I went to high school for in-state tuition. And those are the only places I applied, which in some ways was leaving a lot of money on the table because I was fucking great in high school. I was, I was just a hotch. I never, I never, I have never been so together ever again. Um, and like, I, I could have not gone to the, you know, land grant school in, in my state, but I mean, my calculation was like, I looked at the amount of money that I would need to take out in loans if I wanted to be paying sticker price for a private school. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not, mm-hmm. no, I'm not even going to apply for this crap. And I mean, like my constraint was like, I didn't want to be that deep in debt. You know, I'd been right. working in high school a little bit, uh, you know, getting like 15 bucks an hour's lifeguard. And I was like, okay, so 150 divided by 150,000 divided by 15. Hmm. Hmm. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I mean, just like, and I, I kind of made it through, through college and like, I mean, basically living as a total bum. I mean, I, I, um, my, my third year, my third through fifth years, I like, I rented a, a little like garden level studio 
where there's like water leaking through the walls and like my uh <laughs> my my microwave i had scrounged from a curb and it didn't have a rotational plate because while i was carrying that thing like a mile to my apartment the plate <laughs> the door opened and the plate fell out so oh, like it just and and you know what it was great first of all <laughs> it was great i mean like i just completely acclimated to 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 living in that kind of um not quite poverty like i never felt poor you know mm-hmm. like I had plenty of money to buy Raisin Bran. I computed exactly like what the store was going to get me so and so many calories per dollar spent. You know, <laughs> like how could I most efficiently get 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 protein macros? Like, you know, and um, like it was it was seriously a good experience for me, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And I I don't know. Overall, I thought that was a really good experience, and and just like having some amount of internal pressure, like all right, yeah, this sucks, but also like you don't, you don't want to starve, right? Like maybe you should get a job. I think that was really helpful. Um, And I've, I've known a few kids who their, their parents like did just go and like buy them a house or something similar. And it seemed like that ended up being kind of an anchor for them. Like I, you know, they're, they're sort of doing things, but they're also sort of not trying to do things that hard. And (laughs) I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, I know. Right. So, I mean, that's sort of, I mean, like, I I guess I'm probably going to treat my kids roughly like my parents treated me, which felt like it was something pretty close to optimal. So. So not, not a whole lot of handholding. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they, they talked to me about finances and stuff. And I, I think in retrospect, they were probably paying very close attention to how I was doing at any point in time. Mm. And like, if they had wanted, if, if, it had seemed like I needed help. They probably would have helped me out. Right. If you'd like to hit by a bus, they would have paid for the medical bills sort of a thing. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I, I could be biased here. I mean, my relationship with my parents as such were like, I, I think I was mostly, I, I mostly found myself in a position of being the kid who was just kind of competent and together. Oh. Um, in contrast to my brother, you know, who I mentioned earlier and my, my parents spent enough time, you know, trying to help him get himself in a place where he just operate independently that I didn't really feel like I necessarily had a lot of like bandwidth to, to shit test them. Um, and so like, I, I think that it's been interesting in my life. I mean, just, just to give you a sense of where my psychology is, like there was the time when somebody accused me of a crime I didn't commit and I, I spent a weekend in jail and like my parents still don't know that that happened. <laughs> like I, I like got a call out through various ingenious means. And like the, the second day I was in jail, like the, the within 24 hours of getting in jail, I had managed to like, get um liminal warmth on the phone and she connected me with an attorney and i didn't actually have much money at that point but i was like well i've got a credit card and good credit because i've been like spending responsibly for the last 10 years of my life or whatever and and 10 years something like that um and so like you know i i just did all of that myself and it wasn't great it was actually i mean probably the worst year of my life but you know i didn't want to like get my parents involved with this thing which it you know and it's just like i felt like they just needed to not worry about me and i don't have any idea what this is true and i'm sure that in retrospect that they were probably worrying about me regardless because right. parents, parents but um yeah 
you know? So, and I was able to do it. I mean, like I, I fucking crushed that. It <laughs> probably wasn't good for me at school, but you know, I, I made it through. So might've been good for your character. That sounds like a character building experience right there. You know, honestly, it just sucked. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Like, I wish there was some moral of it where it's like, yeah, I came out of this like a much stronger and more powerful person. But it, it was just balls. <laughs> the, yeah, there, there's certain, certain experiences that are character building, but I think they like you hit a limit of amount the amount of character you can build out of the experience, and then it just gets bad. Oh boy! <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I I found some gossip about Taylor Lorenz. If you're still interested. hell yeah so there's no gossip about her parents which is actually astonishing to me and what that suggests is to to me is they paid someone to scrub anything from anything about them that's my that's my conspiracy theory but the gossip about her is that she did in fact go to a 90k a year swiss boarding school uh that's okay that that specific figure is repeated many times on the internet with no attribution so i have no sources for that except the fact that that's what everyone says about her (laughs) so that's you probably heard that at some point on twitter if i had to yeah yeah yeah, no, uh, Robert Cincy is is saying, like, as far as I can tell, the internet can't even confirm her age or relationship status. That's yeah. probably a heavy lift. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it seems like maybe, like, somebody is going around and scrubbing this. Scrub, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her Wikipedia, Which is something you can do if you're fucking rich. <laughs> right. That's yeah. wacko. I mean, it's really something. I, I mean, I assume. I've never tried to do it myself, right. so who knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they have guys. I have to assume that. I think I even read this in a in a news article at some point that like there are people whose full time jobs it is to sell like scrubbing services to the wealthy and like, hey, do you yeah. have information about you on the internet? We can make that happen. It's like, yeah, That's yeah. Not well, they get they get real mad about it, like Streisand, right? Yeah, right. Like, ah, uh, yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Um, so we've been going for almost an hour and a half. Uh, do you guys want to close up with anything? I, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground and maybe yeah. it's been useful. I, I don't know. Has it been useful to you, QC? I don't know. It's been, it's been helpful to hear your guys' perspectives. And I appreciate it just hearing like stories about like, yeah, you know, I grew up like this and this is how it is with my parents now. Like, I appreciate hearing that. Uh, so thank you. Like, I think there's so much more to dig into, but it's just, there's just a lot. Like, I don't know. My, my thoughts about this topic, keep, like, go off in like six different directions. Um, yeah. I, I, if you, if you like, I, I, I don't, I don't really, I feel presumptuous saying like, Hey, here's what you should do with your money or anything like that. Um, but I, I would love to love to hear like what you decide to play around with. Um, like if I, I want to say that if I was in your position, I would try to tell myself to like, play around with things so like find something that costs like five thousand dollars that you've always been a little bit curious about and cocaine (laughs) 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 i mean not to be that guy but have you thought about how much drugs you can buy with a hundred thousand dollars it's like kind of insane (laughs) it's truly disproportionate (laughs) like i you you can drop now you can drop a more than a medium amount of Truly disproportionate. That's a very degenerate thing to say. I apologize for being so. Someone, you know, actually, it was it was interesting. Somebody, somebody said, like, I mean, just like, this is going back, but like, somebody observed that like people probably would have been less mad at you if you had said, "Hey, 
I just went and spent a hundred thousand dollars on plane tickets and prostitutes and cocaine. <laughs> because like apparently somehow that's fine. I, I don't know. Right. I, I think that's true though. You know, like when somebody yep. goes and has a crazy fucking party weekend and burns a hundred thousand dollars on that, it's like, all right, I wouldn't do that but like there's sort of a narrative where like that's something that one could do with money if they were so inclined right yeah yeah i don't know depends on who i mean kanye does that you're like well that's just how kanye lives and like if i don't know hillary clinton did that that'd be a little weirder like it really if hunter biden did that (laughs) it would be tuesday it It really depends which is another thing like fucking you know these news stories about like the kids the sons of famous men specifically like Hunter Biden, but also like, what's his face? Uh, Tom Hanks, Chet Hanks, like <laughs> these, these like, you know, fine upstanding, like towering men in culture, having these sons who are just shit bags by any, by to hear, to hear the, the reporting. And it's, that's like a fascinating dynamic to me. It's like, it, and I, I do wonder about to what extent that's being caused by the kind of stuff that, that we, that we brought up briefly here. Like, Oh, did their parents like give them too much money? <laughs> Did it ruin them? <laughs> Did it prevent them from growing as people? I don't know. Maybe it's like a whole thing. I, I I always feel with that, like the problem comes from the people who are around you. Like once you know that this is like Tom Hanks son, or, you know, mm. this is, I, I always thought that that was probably like a really, really bad. That was bad news. Right. Yeah. Because, because you like, you can be a good dad and you can protect your kids as much as you yep. can, but at some point or another, um, they're going to, somebody else is going to like, I, I knew I went to school with a couple of famous people who were famous when, when I was in school and I avoided them. I just, it seemed like more work than it would then, then pay off to try to be <laughs> that person's friend. Right. And it, because, because there were people around them all the time. And people were always trying to like, and so it, it seems like just being the son of a famous person is like a magnet for shitty oh, manipulative. I could, I could totally see that actually. That 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 sounds yeah. That doesn't sound fun at all. Seems rough. I've often wondered. I I actually have plans for how I would interact with somebody famous if I met them at a party. Nice. Um, <laughs> like. Like I was actually, I meet meet famous people at your parties all the time. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and you, and and you, and you conduct yourself admirably. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, no, like I had this, I actually, I was talking with moon about this. Like I, she was telling me how like Scott Alexander at parties, like tends to just kind of hang back and keep to himself and like not, circulate and socialize a ton right right so i actually had this plan for how i would conduct myself if i saw scott alexander at a party and i thought maybe i would introduce myself but i would never ever let on that i had any idea who he was (laughs) and just like like just let him talk about whatever he wanted to talk about at any given time if that was anything at all yeah yeah um and I thought it was a really good plan. Then I met him at a party and Didn't... he knew who I was. Oh, so no, that kind of went out were. the window. But... Shit, you're famous too. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a very sweet guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think you're right, though, about like kids of famous people. I wonder about um, Commodus. Commodus seems like maybe an example of this where it's like Marcus Aurelius really tried, you know, but. 
<laughs> maybe Commodus wasn't his biological son and and maybe I don't know just like he was completely ruined by everybody who was like around Marcus I, I don't Aurelius. know any, any Roman history this is Marcus Aurelius's son and like what happened to him uh well he was just a shithead okay like yeah. like well, a this real is... he, a real piece of shit so like you know Marcus Aurelius is like all right yeah he sort of committed genocide but um <laughs> he killed a lot of Germans, okay. but you know, like he, he was also this, I mean, he was basically, he wanted to be a philosopher and he, he was like very restrained in his habits and his, and his behavior apart from genocide. But, um, he also had, he, he also really liked his son Commodus and he tried to like raise his son Commodus to be virtuous and stuff. And then Marcus Aurelius dies and Commodus just goes ape shit. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a real son of a bitch. So, Commodus really wants to be a gladiator. And so he presents himself as like the reincarnation of Hercules. <laughs> and like, and, and he goes and he fights in the Colosseum all the time to prove that he's like a mighty gladiator, but he doesn't even have good fights in the Colosseum. Right? Like he goes and he does horrible shit. Like he, he, he rounds up like dwarves and and fights dwarves in the Colosseum, and and like you know like he he goes in the Colosseum and he shoots like disabled people who are brought in for him oh. to, to kill and i mean you know he's a terrible emperor he 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 rules as kind of like a trump-like figure oh. which apparently was actually very popular with the people of Rome. <laughs> like you were named the senate the something like um the the fortunate body of commodians because you were named rome like the Commodia, uh, and um <laughs> anyway he was eventually strangled in his bathtub by his wrestling instructor oh my god so <laughs> but yeah real real piece of work that's uh some... he he was the beginning of the end for for rome oh my god that's some chet hanks slash hunter biden energy right yeah there. right yeah. It's, it's it's nice to know that this has been a problem for a long time <laughs> oh yeah that's kind of relieving but kind of nice you know yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I, um, if you're feeling bad about your life, you're not murdering disabled people in front of an audience for fun. And you're not, <laughs> as far as I can tell, you're not viewing yourself as the reincarnation of a of a, a semi deity. So I think you're doing okay. Man. <sighs> nice. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll take it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, polymath. Any yeah. any closing thoughts? I don't know. Thanks for having me on. It was really good to meet you, QC. Yeah, you too, man. This is fun. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I hope I hope I haven't like violated too many taboos in the creation of this episode. <laughs> and I hope everyone's learned learned something. Um, have a good night, guys. Thanks again. You too.